Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Only Stupid Answers, the best thing podcast you can put your little ears into. Happy quarantine, everyone. Hope you're doing well. I mean, as well as you can be <laughs> when you're stuck inside or yeah. wherever you are. If you're one of the essential workers out there, thank you for your hard work and uh, the the sacrifices you've made during this time uh you uh won't get enough credit <laughs> you won't get enough credit and i hope you know though that dj and i greatly appreciate what you're doing absolutely hopefully this hopefully this podcast and uh what we're doing over here at only stupid answers is able to bring a little levity uh and a few giggles uh and maybe some i don't know thoughts if you want to think about some yeah. i don't know hopefully we're at least making the time current during your quarantine a little easier, but enough with that. Let's talk about the important stuff. Avatar The Last Airbender is back on Netflix, boys and girls. Let's Yay. not get ahead of ourselves, though. We got to talk about some other adult things first, other cartoons and comics and <laughs> yeah. books. And other grown-up stuff. Playing. Yeah, boo. DJ Woldridge, co-host to the stars. How are you doing? That's me, man. You know, I'm doing, listen, man, I'm taking them one day at a time, just like everybody else is. Um, but I'm doing all right. This is the show, for those that don't know, just tuning in. Um, this is the show where Sam and I like to talk about movies. Sometimes. TV shows. Yeah, sometimes. Comic books. Occasionally. Occasionally. And uh, yeah, so today, we're since uh, Avatar is coming back to Netflix, we decided to talk about that. Because guess what? There ain't no new movies in theaters, baby boys and girls. And we weren't going to watch Scoob. You wait. Don't throw Scoob under the bus yet. Everybody way, else, everybody else has thrown it under the bus. Dan Merle threw it under the bus. No, I have not heard. Words. I have not heard one good thing about Scoob. How many ten-year-olds have you asked? Hold about on, their hold on, on hold on. How listen, many ten-year-olds have you asked? Let's be let's be real, Sam. Ain't no ten-year-olds watching Scooby Doo. <laughs> Scooby Doo is for my parents' generation, and let's be honest, it has not held up. I watched it as a kid. I, I, I mean, it. I, I, it was on as a kid. I don't know if I'd say I like watched. It. I don't. I never looked like looked forward to it. So just oh, because I did, I I'd watch it pretty much religiously for a little bit, and then SpongeBob came out, and I said I gave the double birds to all those other shows. Yeah, and, and then you like, like no, you watched SpongeBob only. You watched one episode of Animaniacs. You're like, oh wait, this is way better. Anyway, um, uh, Scoob right now, just to get it out of the way, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes has a fifty four percent. Uh, and this consensus is Scoob is fun enough for youthful viewers and some hardcore fans, but never quite solves the mystery of why audiences shouldn't watch old episodes instead. I feel that's, that's a, rough. That's a pretty, I, you know, I feel like that's actually pretty generous based on the other stuff I was reading. Yeah, I have not. Oh, no, heard... I just mean in sense in the sense that those old episodes are rough. Yeah, they, they <laughs> those not, are rough. They have not. They're all the same episode, really. But anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. We like to start off every week. With what you're into, which is also kind of like, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? So, Sam, what are you? What have you been up to this week? How are you doing? Quick thing. Have you seen the Futurama episode where they, they usually do an anthology episode a season, and they did one where they uh, parodied other animation styles. They did 1930s, like Steamboat Willie. They did anime. They did 8-Bit, and they did um, Scooby-Doo. Uh, sounds, did you ever see that? That sounds awesome, but no, I have not seen it it's amazing it's and like the scooby-doo one they have george takei in every single one of those sketches and Great. he shows up as the because they're in like they're lost in a louisiana swamp and what do they come across a kabuki theater and mm-hmm. he's the owner of the kabuki theater and he pretends to be a ghost to haunt them and then they're like oh were you trying to do this to scare the the oil drill for being installed in your town he's like no it's because i'm mentally ill and like the the canned laugh turns on <laughs> that's great and they pull all they make fun of all of the the cheap workarounds they would do at hanna-barbera for those like the background that's just a loop and you can see like smudges on it yeah. <laughs> and like all the canned laughter at things that aren't jokes it's it's really that was really good but for this week um uh, oh, I'll talk about this. Um, my girlfriend and I wanted to figure out a way to like watch movies that we haven't necessarily we haven't that we haven't seen before that might be you know considered important or revolutionary that aren't Scoob. Yeah. Um, 
so she found a challenge that her friend set up where they're gonna we're gonna watch uh, uh, movies in alphabetical order. So whatever the first letter of that movie is, we're gonna watch it. So we did an A movie. Uh, and we tried to pick a movie that we hadn't seen, and the stipulation we've added is that articles are the starting of the movie, like the article that uh, precedes the the name. Like if it's The Departed, yeah. that's a T movie. It's not a D movie. That's how we've set it up, and that means we're gonna have a lot of T movies, and we might just watch a bunch of T movies when we get to the end. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we watched American Beauty, uh, which if I'm, I don't want to talk out of my my behind here but yeah. that one best picture when it came out right it, it sure did and i feel like wow. um there, that's, that's, that's some there's some contention behind that now kind of like uh with forrest gump because that forrest gump won the same year pulp fiction was in the academy and it was like well one one of those has been significantly more influential than the other uh how so <laughs> I just, wait, pulp in what fiction, way? wait wait pulp fiction has how many restaurants internationally oh hold on wait how many it How should many? have one. Oh, that, well, Jack Rabbit Slim should be a chain restaurant. I don't know what's not one. Yeah, but the answer is none. And uh, <laughs> if you go to Times Square, you're going to see, wait, a big picture of Uma Thurman with a needle in her chest? Uh, I highly doubt it. I think you're going to go see Bubba Gumps. I think you're going to go have some shrimp. That is, you know yeah, what? So- that is a good way to gauge movies is how many chain restaurants they generated. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that makes me so happy. Thank God. That's now that's capitalism working. For me. Uh, that's doing the heavy lifting. So wait, Anyways, so wait, so out- A was A was American Beauty, which we discussed a little bit. Probably has uh, has not aged great, all things considered. Yeah. I think we were talking about it when we did the stream yesterday. When we were testing out the the the, the gaming the game night thing, which, which we was, can both went agree off without with, a hit. Yeah, it went off without a hitch at all. Went it went great. Yeah. So uh, watching it, I I can understand why film students gravitated to this movie. They're like, it's so bold. Mm-hmm. How how can they tell stories like this? And maybe from today's standards, not just the story being told in it, which is yucky. Yeah. Um. Not it's not the main story, but it's a it's the it's the instigator it's the kickoff to the movie so uh that's a bummer um it's one person's whole motivation it's gross Mm -hmm. uh and especially with just current knowledge of that actor or or allegations towards that actor um anyways yeah and i think the movie lands the plane kind of with the last like line of dialogue where you understand like what the point of the movie was yeah uh and you're like oh okay i could see how that this line forgave a lot of what the movie was mm-hmm. but a b- big takeaway is an adult watching this film when it came out would understand that all the characters in this movie are bad people yeah they're 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 they are they have their faults they can do good things but overall they're they're, they're not people you want to look up to but any teenage boy or girl is going to look at the teenage characters and be like that like the the angsty ones the ones yeah. like in hot topic gear and they're going to be like, wow, that guy's filming people without their permission, but his dad beat him. So he's allowed to do this really gross, uh, invasive <laughs> thing. Or this girl is like, she's insecure. So she like lashes out and runs away with her boyfriend because like they, no one understands them. And I'm just tired of the suburban story where it's like, we literally have so much money. You couldn't even fathom how big this house is. Yeah. So I'm just not fulfilled. Exactly. So what am I going to do? I'm going to act like a total asshat. Uh, just a total clown. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the lessons at the end is like, you know what? Even with all this money, sometimes we need to remember that we have it better than 99% of all of humanity in the history of civilization. So maybe we could just go to therapy yeah. and talk with each other. Yeah. Instead, uh, people have like they act like doormats or they're just lying and yelling at each other. So. Uh, honestly, I'm happy I watched it because now I've seen it. Yes. And like, there's some movies that I, I hate. I'm gonna want to watch just so I peep, so film nerds can just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, In my uh, defense, I have not yelled at you about American Beauty. No, yeah. but other ones. But I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people where yeah. it's like who who are incessant, yeah. <laughs> who will not let me go. Um, and so, just let yeah. me watch Scoob. But can I just watch Iron Giant for the fiftieth time, please? Please leave me alone and let me watch Iron Giant. So wait, have you done uh, B? The your uh, you number- might do it to. 
we might do it tonight uh and it, we have a couple we basically we pick it the night right as soon as we sit down but we have like a couple lists that we're going off of letterboxd the app that where you can go and rate movies and you can kind of keep track of movies you have seen and movies you want to watch yeah and actually a lot of filmmakers have accounts that you can follow and read their reviews like edgar wright was reviewing a bunch of his favorite all-time movies cool and that's pretty cool uh i know robert eggers was doing that too cool uh and it's and the app's really intuitive so you can just like do like a five-star rating of the movie you can write a full review if you'd like and people can rate the reviews you write so if someone really likes your reviews they start going higher and higher in the in the chart which is cool can i know um, what what options you have for b so far um what did we have um I'm trying to remember b movie classic um well, I mean, if you're really trying to get the cinema cred, B movie has to be in there. I'm trying to get the meme cred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I have seen B movie. B movie, mm-hmm. you crazy? Of course, I've seen B movie M- a million times, more than I've seen American Beauty. Tell yeah. you that much, uh, and then more than I'll ever watch uh, American Beauty. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can't remember right now. I think um, uh, we were talking about the C's last night because Cinema Paradiso was thrown around a lot by a lot of people and was on a lot of lists. I think we're going to check out that one. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of friends have have liked it. Have you seen that one? I don't know. I have not seen that one. It's been recommended a lot from a lot of people as one of their, one of their faves. I don't know if that's going to be like their Avengers Endgame. I just think they really enjoy it as yeah. a film. Excuse me. And by the way, did I tell you about this film? I, I, I feel stupid for not knowing the name of it, but it's a French film from the 1950s that I watched a few weeks ago. And it was about a... Uh, a bunch of these factory workers that have to drive nitroglycerin from one end of Mexico to the other uh, in like 14 hours, but they don't have any safety gear. So any bump could set off the nitroglycerin. Holy shit. You know no, I'm not okay. familiar with that. I'm going to find it for you because, okay, big knock to the movie. It's like two and a half hours, something Oof. like that. And the first hour is just setting up characters and you're like, what's happening? What's yeah. the point of this movie? And then when they bring up what the goal of the movie is, because it, it's basically it's like you find out there's a fire at an oil field. But to put it out, I think what they bring up, it's French. So, you know, you're reading subtitles, you're kind of going fast. What they bring yeah. up is they're going to use the nitroglycerin to basically burn all the fields around it. So it will just go out or something like that. Uh, and so they put they fill two trucks with nitroglycerin in these tanks and you and they don't have any of the safety features like shock absorbers or anything. So they have to drive really carefully mm-hmm. to get across and they're going to get a lot of money. So if it's like this is in, in Mexico, like they were going to get, I think it was like 8,000 bucks a piece. So like it was a good amount of money to do this. Uh, and um, there's like, uh, and they, they're supposed to drive a half an hour apart from each other. But like uh, one of the wheels break, one of the guys gets sick, Jeez. like he gets motion sickness because of the stress that they're under. Yeah. At one point, there is a stretch of road where they know that it's really bumpy. So they have to stay above 40 miles an hour and you can't slow down because it will start bumping and you can't speed up again after that. So you just and like at one point, one starts to get closer to the other because they're not keeping track, but they can't slow down and there's mm-hmm. no room to move around or like they have to turn around and drive out on a platform or uh, they have to blow up a, a part of the road where there's a rock slide and they have to use nitro like raw nitroglycerin um Jeez. and it's so it's so stressful and i think it's just that because it was filmed at the time that it was there's this extra element of it feeling very raw it feels yeah. very not not like found footage but it's just unforgiving it's like watching um like the gold rush movies or something like that where it's yeah. just like or the wild west because it's not the wild west but when it's like people are out for themselves even these people who are teamed up it's two people to a to a van and you you hear them talk about their lives and like why they're down in mexico because like there's like americans there's uh people who are there's mexicans there's uh french individuals who are there because it is a french movie yeah um and just hearing them talk about why they're there you're like god they're these lives suck yeah and there's no good like it, the only people who win here are the is the company and it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you're doing because it, it, they don't care about you. Yeah. Um, so anyways, very good movie. I have to find it. And I and this is another uh, Easter egg hunt. If anyone listening can tell me what that is. When did you um, see it? How did you see it? it? It was on Amazon. We had to rent it for three bucks. So that's, okay. that's not the it's not bad and it's well worth seeing because it's like just watching one of those older movies that just fully engrosses you you're like holy crap i am having a panic attack right now um just watching these people and like trying to and like just watching people's like whole life like self-esteem crumble on screen and you're like yeah yeah i would i couldn't handle this but also if i was in their situation and you needed the money i don't think i could turn this down yeah um so anyways, and it, it, it amazing performances. The last thing I wanted to mention, 
uh, was I was reading the new Sandman comics because nothing's coming out that's like new new. I was just kind of catching up on them. I was yeah. reading a few of them. And I don't think I talked about this, but a few weeks ago I picked up Just Imagine when Stan Lee, that's the name of the comic, it's when Stan Lee wrote DC characters. He reimagined Yeah, them. I, remember, I remember. I never picked those up, but I remember reading about them after it had happened. Uh, so you watched Mindhunter season two. Yes. And you are familiar with the man Wayne William. Yes. The name of the Batman character who, uh, who that new reimagining is, is he is black, mm-hmm. um, is named Wayne Williams. Um, that was weird. I remember reading. So, so you were reading those comics. I, I tried getting, th- I'm going to be honest. I had never re- read Stan Lee's writing before and just compared to modern comics. Who we, I yeah. can't, you can't knock his contributions to the, to the medium. Cause he's obviously like part of the creating the X-Men fantastic four thought that I, yeah. but, Oh my God, man, it's rough. Well, yeah. The writing is rough. I think there's a reason like, uh, I was reading the summaries. I'm like, yeah, I don't need yeah. this. Uh, and it's also interesting. There's a reason the Marvel, I think I would say, I think there's a reason there was the, the Marvel method was the artist would create the comic and then the writer would come in and fill in the word bubbles, just, just fill in word bubbles. Uh, Cause I think left to his own de- device, you know, Stanley needs a Steve Ditko or a Jack Kirby uh, to really sing. I think I can, you can see it. The I the one the name immediately was like did he know I know it's like two thousand when he wrote this two thousand one or something there, there's a way to check <laughs> there's a way to check if you named your character after a well a potential a, a, serial a, murderer yeah potential, yeah child serial murderer yeah. and I was like uh, and he goes to prison and I'm like this is weird yeah. I don't know I don't doesn't know how he, I feel isn't about he a this. literal Batman doesn't he become like a bat creature he wears a bat creature thing i didn't to be fair i couldn't i couldn't get to the end of it he befriends a bat in prison and he's like cool like his sidekick i couldn't get much further just because like it was so bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was so bad um i did check that out and also uh i think would you say you're a fan of gail simone's writing yeah i she's writing the walmart uh dc flash book Cool. And I think during this, like the quarantine, they started releasing this issue by issue, week to week, um, uh, instead of one big mega giant comic. So it's like seventeen pages. It's a lot shorter digitally. Yeah. The uh, I, I read her Flash, and it's just immediately like you understand who the Flash's character is. Like yeah. it's just like it was like the clearest idea of the character where he's a little socially awkward, which is not un- uncommon for a superhero, but his specific version of it where he's thinking so fast he's forgetting to do things and i'm mm-hmm. like yeah that's a good take we're yeah. like he's on a cruise ship with iris and they're not they're just dating they're just getting to know each other um and she's the she's the more intel she's the more tuned in person out of the couple yeah. she's the one who's like uh, i think king shark comes on board and rips a hole like hole in the side of the cruise ship so it's Classic. sinking. And he's trying to he's trying to figure out how to like take out king shark and not let the boat sink and so he fights king shark first and she was like he didn't think to like patch the hole <laughs> in the cruise ship that's sinking and it's like this the way that gail's able to make him feel very human and not make her feel like sure like know-it-all you yeah. know like which i a lot of male writers sometimes don't know how to write the female supporting character. what are you talking about when uh i know right <laughs> uh, it's not in continuity and you get uh also cool thing she writes she wrote ryan Choi and barry teaming up and cool. ryan Choi teams up and he has a tiny floating hoverboard uh and he rides that around instead of like riding electrons or whatever he like flies next to flash and like holds on that's uh, cool like, it, it's such a cool team up because ryan Choi is such a fanboy. Mm-hmm. it's it's it, it just it was nice i highly recommend checking those out because whenever gail simone writes anything i think i'm just gonna check it out regardless i think she just knows that there might maybe the action might not be up to your your liking but the way she's able to distill down who the characters are and the interpersonal relationships in the comic are where she shines and she's yeah. a star for a reason she's a i think the editor-in-chief at what like lion forge or something oh like yeah that. one of those new those new upstarts yeah I, I would say sam if you're going back to stuff i highly recommend her run on secret sex it's really good it's really Which good it's on comicsology it, it, secret six is on comicsology i'm gonna check yeah yeah right now. um yeah i highly recommend that um and this is gonna be weirdly out of con if everybody watches all of our stuff this is probably going to show up in a review that comes out on Monday after this episode. But we were talking about heroes that the next generation is kind of better 
than uh, the one before. And, and I made that, I, I guess, controversial opinion that Jaime Reyes is better than Ted Kord. Uh, I would also say Ryan Choi is better than Ray Palmer. Yeah, he's a cool, he's a cool character. Yeah, I oh, think weirdly, yes, uh, Secret Six by Gail Simone and Nicholas Scott. It, it is called Volume Two, but it collects issues one through fourteen. Yeah, so, so I'm not really sure why the, it, why well, they listed it that way. It's Volume Two because there was a there was an original version of Secret Six. It's kind of like with Suicide Squad that there was a version without supervillains. That's just like a team of spies or whatever. And then they retooled, they took the name and they retooled it to include a bunch of like D-list supervillains. Um, but it's, it's really good. I highly recommend it. I started picking that up when, um, around Batman RIP, because uh, they, they do a bit of like Catman and Bane and Ragdoll t- tags along as like comic relief. But Catman and Bane are like, well, what do we do now that Batman's gone? And Bane and Catman's like, well, I don't. I don't really care about Batman. Batman doesn't influence me. Now let's climb into the Catmobile, and you know, you know what I mean. And he, he's like, he's trying to convince everybody that Batman doesn't mean anything to him, but like his whole aesthetic, his whole thing is based around Batman. So it's a, it was a pretty fun read, and I stuck with it from there. And that's like you're saying, the characterization is so strong, and and it's one of my favorite interpretations of Bane. That that was around the time of where like, um. Uh, creators were were kind of reminding people that bane actually does bane's not like doomsday doomsday exists just to kill superman there's not really a lot there with doomsday bane actually is a pretty compelling villain uh he was just mired in in heavy 90s stuff so that was around the time that they were kind of rehabilitating rehabilitating the image of bane and she was a big uh part of that but for me speaking of comics good segue I finally got to go back to the comic shop sort of this week. The the my my local shop, the shop that I've House Secrets in Burbank. If you're out uh, by there, I highly recommend um, calling them or shooting them an email because they're doing curbside pickup um, for uh, the comics. So I it's you will appreciate this, but I do feel a little bit embarrassed admitting it to anybody else. Uh, the amount of excitement I had going back to the shop like it, it was it was actually weirdly emotional like i get to have comics again like this is really cool uh so i picked up what was in there which which uh is pro- truthfully probably what was in there right before quarantine happened because uh, i know dc just started shipping stuff again and i think everything starts shipping up in the next couple weeks which is good for you know shops like house of secrets and stuff like that um, obviously I haven't been able to go through all of them yet, but I read, um, the most recent issue of Suicide Squad. I read Hellions number one. Um, what'd you think? I, I, I dug it. I, I really dug it. I don't, it's, it's tough with the, um, this whole, what, what, it's not House of X, Dawn of X. What is, no, it is Dawn of X is the overall initiative. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, they all kind of feel because they're all dealing with Krakoa and what that means to everybody it's all variations on that one idea I do like the idea the the premise of some sometimes bad people get mutant abilities sometimes the mutant ability the nature of it creates somebody that that can't really function in society specifically they dive into that um, most directly with empath where his ability that he can control people's emotions means that he's never had to if he hurt somebody or angered somebody, he could just change their emotions. So he's never had, he has not once ever had to deal with negative feedback on who he is as a person, which has made him a sociopath. And somebody like Wild Child, his, his mutancy makes him essentially feral. Um, and so that, I don't know what, what is it, orphan, orphan maker, widow maker, orphan maker, and mother? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't orphan know. killer. I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't that. know what their deal is, but I li- and of course, oh, sinister. It's so inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. It's so disgusting. But I like the idea of it. That seeing the uh, other characters react to it. Yes, I like seeing that that they're like, this is so messed. Up. I I don't know. It's almost as messed. I think it equally is as messed up as feral child murdering people. I don't I don't know how, but I hate I hate when they're on screen together. But I like that they're in this team. Yeah, and I like I like Mister. I like this take on. The, the, I've said it before. I think the best thing to come out of this whole Donovex thing is Sassy Sinister because it differentiates him. Because I don't know about you, Sam, but like growing up as a kid, like you knew Mr. Sinister is like a main X Men villain and he has a distinct design. But if you ask me to explain to you what his deal is, I couldn't do it. 
You know what I mean? I don't like, know. I still kind of don't. Genetics. Yeah. And, know, but like, it, so I think the coolest thing has been, I, I mean, it's still cool to see the secret council and like people like Apocalypse on there. Everybody in one room. It's like, it's really in- interesting. But they've done a good job of like differentiating Magneto and Sinister and Apocalypse. And Mr. Sinister is so much fun. This take on Sinister is so much fun. Um, I don't know how they, they've given a, a really interesting first mission. I don't they they explain in it the rules that this team needs to work under and I don't know how you sustain that premise cuz it's like it it can't it's basically like it can't be mutant related you can't kill humans and it's like one of those like well how many of how many problems like this exist in this world that you can keep throwing this team at something but the group is interesting the premise is interesting uh more sinister thank you please also cool to have Psylocke in there I, I like I like that character a lot and um and it'll it'll be interesting to see how she get she doesn't get to be the fun one unfortunately like she gets to be like the mom uh uh not encountering mother and whatever her deal is um uh, I don't even know what she is I I can't tell what she her whole deal is I don't know if that's a person or not I don't even know if she's I, I, she probably is a classic X Men something but she's ne- I've never run into her before. Uh, the one that stood out that that I'm I'm interested to see more of that could be an early favorite is uh, I think it's Scalp Hunter is his name. Uh, what was his thing? I guess he was part of the he was part of Sinister's original team, uh, and I guess he was part of the Mutant Massacre. And it, the implication is he has a healing factor, but he has also like cybernetic and guns and stuff. Cool. Um, but his his personality was was interesting. So yeah, I mean, so I read- Sabretooth got thrown into that hole. Yes. So I feel like you could throw a couple of these people in that hole. Absolutely. I, there's plenty, plenty of villains that you could that you could play around with that could be on this team. It could just be a act like it could be their answer to the Suicide Squad, where they go yeah. on do missions, and it's there's not really a way to re- rehabilitate some of these unless you take away their mutant ability, but they wouldn't do that on Krakoa. Yeah, because it's all it's basically a part of their whole. Uh, almost belief system yeah. yeah and then um I, i'm still enjoying suicide squad although i it is kind of seems to be distancing itself from what i liked about the very first issue was i, I liked the idea of this group of team this this team within the suicide squad that kind of like this the antagonism and we've offed so many members of the suicide squad itself that it, it almost feels like tom taylor's smuggling his own original team into a suicide it doesn't feel like a suicide squad book anymore and when you get into their like machinations i always kind of tune out when like actually my plan the whole time was to get captured and, da, 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 and it's like whatever then like i don't like it feels a little too um i don't know easy is not the right word but um but i like what they're doing with um digger harkness i like uh the it, it it is strange that they keep kind of going back to australia but considering tom taylor's from australia the specificity of that stuff is really cool uh and, oh, and the I, whole like junkyard of cars that like yeah this, the whole I concept actually of this never-ending you. highway essentially you're like what the hell <laughs> no i talked to taylor about it because my girlfriend she lived in australia for eight years she's never been on this road but she's like yeah there's a couple highways in australia that are just so long that if you didn't prepare for it you might just, it'd be cheaper just to, or it'd be safer, yeah. cheaper to ditch your car and try to get a, the hitchhike back and you don't need to go back for your car. Oh like, my God. Like, it's yeah. like, it's like a couple of highways exist that are just, that's Mad Max place. That's where that is. Yeah. That's like not DC universe garbage yeah. or whatever. That's like, that's how that's it just works. the real world. And, um, but I, but I like that. And, and I do like all the characters he's introduced. And the good thing is since they're new, it, it does up the stakes. Cause you know, like the odds of Harley, Harley Quinn is definitely safe. The odds of Deadshot eating it are, are slim. So having these original characters ups the stakes more. So I do like that. And I, and I do like it overall. I just was so sold on the original premise that the further we get away from that, um, uh, the, I, I get a little bit bummed just because I thought that initial setup was really strong. And then I read um, Kill Lock, which is, um, I think it's an IDW book. It's from one of the main artists for Transformers, and I've talked about it before. It's basically in a, in a universe that is primarily populated by mechanical life, um, and these four different robots have something called the kill lock, where if one of them dies, all four of them die, and they're trying mm-hmm. to resolve that. Um, and it's and it's a, a, similar to Suicide Squad, similar to Hellions. It's a, it's a premise I like, where these these 
very different personalities are forced into a position where they have to interact. Like there's one of them that's an architect that designs stuff, but he's a sociopath. So he like, he's basically a serial murderer. One of them is a kid that was just defective. So he got hit with the kill lock just because they didn't, the, the, whatever it is, the mechanism that creates these things was just like, ah, he's broken. So let's just give him a kill lock. So he's basically innocent. There's a, um, a super soldier, like religious zealots, um, uh, who's designed to just, his group goes to worlds and wipes them out. And I don't know if we found out why he has the kill lock yet, but he's with, with them. And then there's just a general worker. And so all these different personalities, they, they can't like, they have to protect each other because if one dies, they all go. Um, and so that's been a really, I've been very, you know, sometimes you, you try a new book, an indie book and you're like, well, at least I tried. You tried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this one is like, oh, actually this is, I, I'm really into this. I really think they're doing a good job with the premise. I think they're doing, I think it's really entertaining. So I think this is issue four out of six. So if you're not caught up yet, it'll probably hit trade relatively soon. Whenever, you know, whenever things get back to some sort of version of normal, um so keep it i would i would say keep out an eye, eye out for that especially if you're like um you, you like transformers stuff these these characters don't transform they're just robots but if you like that type Ooh. of stuff but want something more adult i think this is a good answer to that all right before we keep going uh dj really quick yes have you noticed that your morning or evening routines have changed a little bit since we got into this quarantine what routines routines went out the window when time left us what day is it what are we doing exactly i uh i i would say that i'm slacking a bit but i did want to say that thanks to our friends over at quip it has helped me stay on track when it comes to my oral health and i want to give a quick shout out to them for being a big supporter of the show now let's talk about brushing our teeth 75 percent of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective and even more people forget to floss daily you gotta floss you gotta floss now good health starts with good habits quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better the quip electric toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute routine and there's even a sized down version designed for kids paired with quip's anti-cavity toothpaste and mint oil or watermelon, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need, and none they don't. Quip also has an eco-friendly refillable floss with a dispenser you keep for life, an expanding string that helps to clean in between. And Quip brush heads, toothpaste, and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5 each. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and to stay committed to your oral health and... Best of all, shipping is free. Love that free shipping. You can join over 3 million happy customers and practice good oral care easily and affordably with Quip starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash stupid right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash stupid. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stupid. Quip, the good habits company. Now back to the show. By the way, you have mentioned the show a couple of times, Beast Wars, and I have yes. never seen the animation of Beast Wars before, and I watched it recently, and I, I, I was one of those uh, VFX artists react where they're like, you know what, for what they had to do, it's okay, but oh boy, to today, to, 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 to 10 years ago standards, that's a, that's a rough looking show. Yeah, right? I... And, and looking at it, it's confusing because they look like animals, but they are robots underneath there. Yes, it's, right. it, it's interesting. I was actually on, um, you know, our friend of the show, Roxy Stryer, has a show on her YouTube channel. And I was on this week. And one of the questions a fan asked was like, his all-time favorite cartoon or something like that. And um, I, I think I said Batman, the animated series, because it holds up. And I, and I said, I want to say Beast Wars, but I haven't watched it recently. And even though I think the stories would hold up, because the, the writing I thought was really solid and the characterization was really cool, I can't – there's no reality where that animation – because I think it is – either that or Reboot is the first CG animated kids show. And it can't be – it just can't – like that, that title alone means – it. It's not like 2D animation where you go back and you look at like the Fleischer Superman or the old um, uh, Mary Melodies or Ty- Looney Tunes cartoons, and they they're still good. Like CG animation dates incredibly quickly, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's disappointing. But yeah, hey, we get we're getting better. Yeah, we're getting better, and, and I want to revisit it just because I have a lot of love for a lot of the stories that shows that show told. But I, I just I just worry that it's like I kind of. A uh, good example is when we went back and we watched um, the X Men animated series, 
mm-hmm. where it's like, ooh, there are definitely shows that are better animated than this, <laughs> even at that time. Even before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, speaking of cartoons, that's a pretty good segue into our main topic for the episode, Avatar The Last Airbender. Let's go ahead and hop into it because I want to open it up first with how we discovered the show and how it changed our lives forever. Two very simple <laughs> questions. Yes. Uh, I'll kick off with the first one. I watched it uh, in the third season because it was on iTunes. And I was like, what's this all about? And it was a really cool episode where they were fighting each other. And I saw, and then I, uh, then I went back, watched all of it and I was in love. And then my, I found out a bunch of my friends did watch it. I just never talked to people that I had watched it. And we made like viewing nights when Cora came out and we yeah. watched it all together. And that was, uh, that was really, really fun. Uh, and I'll throw to you, how did it change your life forever? How did it, well, to, before I get into how it changed my life forever, I'd like to talk about how I discovered it, hmm. which was, um, I, my sister was watching. My sister was right around the right age to watch something. And um, uh, so I was sitting, I was just chilling in the living room and she put it on and it was the episode, it was the first Blue Spirit episode where Zuko, uh, it's actually a really amazing setup. Zuko is trying to, cat for those that haven't watched the show, um, the main character is Aang, and he is the Avatar. He's the chosen one, essentially. And Zuko is the antagonist uh, who's trying to capture the Avatar to like redeem himself. So Aang gets captured by another antagonist character. So Zuko puts on the disguise of the Blue Spirit to save Aang because he wants the credit. And it the the whole sequence of the action sequence of Zuko as the blue spirit saving Aang like they the soldiers in that fortress use these like stilt poles uh to climb up walls and stuff like that so they 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 use them as stilts and just the whole action sequence was so and Zuko cuz he doesn't want to reveal his identity is silent the whole time so it's a lot of like very visual storytelling um, and there's tension there because one of them, there's, you know, one of them is an antagonist. And the whole dynamic and the action and the animation blew my mind. Like, I was like, I couldn't imagine um, a Saturday, what's essentially a Saturday morning cartoon doing this. So I started and I immediately like, gravitated towards um, Zuko because he was so, I, I feel like he was the gateway for older audiences. Because like, you know, Aang and... Um, and Sokka and Katara are your are your traditional like these are good people like they're they're good ki- they're kids it's like kind of like Pokemon like these kids should not be running around by themselves you know they're kids but they're but they're good and they're so well acted and they're so entertaining but Zuko's situation is so complex where he's kind of the bad guy but you feel bad for him and and Iroh is there to kind of like try and like get him away from his bad influences of his father. That I was, I was really compelled by that. And also hopes that Zuko gets storylines that like reflect westerns and stuff like that. So I was a big fan of that. Um, but yeah, I, so I watched that and and I started watching it more. And um, I was I was hooked. And the way it changed my life, I, it changed my life is uh, a lot. But um, I do think it it shows it's one. It's a great example, like Pixar movies, of what animation as a medium can do. Um, the idea of, you know, especially, I think I was either late high school or college, um, when that was coming out. And it was also a great example of how you can tell stories that are available to everyone, you know, not just a kid's like, this is specifically towards kids. All the jokes are towards kids. It's like, this is accessible to, if you're five or you're 50, this is telling stories that you, that you can, that are engaging and exciting and fun. Um, and so I think that was an eye-opening thing for me because especially when you're that age, late high school, college, you're like, I want adult things. I want pe- things where pe- violence is happening and cursing is happening. And you realize like, no, you can tell really Im- incredible stories without cursing. Shocker. Shocker. It I, makes uh, it easier. Cursing definitely makes it easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it can be a crutch too. And uh, no, for me, I, the question was me being a bit silly if I may be honest, but I actually it helped me rediscover my love of animation because I would watch it as a kid kind of, you know, like you said, you kind of like want to watch, you know, more adult things. Yeah. Uh, tapings of courtroom proceedings. Yeah. Classic. Um, people doing taxes, that kind of adult stuff. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, hold on. These ninjas can bend air and fire and fly around and they throw rocks at each other. And it's like, wait a second. They're also dealing with mourning the loss of a son. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty adult. Let's check this out. 
Uh, it's like that's what made the prequels to Star Wars so great is when they talked about trade agreements, but then all of a sudden <laughs> they have lightsaber fights. You're like, yeah, I get it. By the way, total tangent. Did you see Dave Filoni give his pitch of why he likes uh, Phantom Menace? I did. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I agree with that. Also, yeah. I don't want to go watch that movie again to see if my opinion changes. But interesting. Also, really cool that the guy who played Boba Fett's coming back for Mandalorian Season 2. And Agreed. Timothy Timothy Oliphant, old Toothy McGee. Those, son, those sons of bitches. I'm like, you motherfuckers. You got Wait, you're doing, a su- you're doing a Western? Yeah. You better get Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant you sons of bitches. You're going to give Walt me a watch. If Walt doesn't show up, I yeah. swear to Christ. Right? I swear to Christ. No, I love the idea of getting the guy that played Jango Fett back. Just because I like that actor a lot. I, I think he's really cool. And he... And I think it, him playing an older Boba Fett's really cool. Um, yeah, watching that Dave Filoni. The only thing I could I could focus on is every time you cut to like anybody else in the room as he's talking, you can see the life leave their eyes. Like <laughs> I just I just wanted that Disney paycheck. Why are you talking about this? Like, you, it, oh, I didn't watch it. I read it, and I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, you yeah, know, I, I uh, like it. Uh, one of one of our mutual friends posted it and, and uh, posted the interaction. Like, good for Dave Filoni because obviously you know he did Clone Wars and he really really cares about this stuff. But have you ever been uh, – I've been on the other side of this where I really care about something. So you're talking about it and you can just see that the rest of the room is not – does not care. And you're like – Oh, I- it, ki- it kills me. And I've done it so much and I'm going to do it the rest of my life. I have to accept that. I've tried to stop, but I can't. Yeah. I just need to know how to be more concise when I talk about stuff. But I think when it comes to the Phantom Menace – actually, it must be just Star Wars in general when it comes to Dave Floyd. It's just like – I get it, dude. It's your thing. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> I get it. There's a reason he's kind of shepherded the 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 TV aspect of that show, and good, you know, good for him. And it also, to be fair, um, in those, from what I understand, in the early days of Clone Wars, he had to talk about story beats with George Lucas. So he kind of got George Lucas probably told him what he meant. I don't think that makes the movie better if the movie doesn't convey those ideas well. Then it's still a bad movie. It doesn't matter what your intent was. If the movie is not conveying that, then it's still not doing its job. But I digress. <laughs> Two things, and uh, this will bring us back around. One, if you've ever seen the behind the scenes to Phantom Menace where they do the watch down and, and George Lucas is like, oh, I think I went overboard here, guys. And he says that to the documentary crew. Hilarious. Yeah. Just hilarious. <laughs> but speaking of an animated series uh, that had to be adapted, or sorry, a live action series that needed to be adapted into an animated anthology. Uh, I guess it's not an anthology, but some, depending on how you view it, if you view it the right way, how it comes out uh, chronologically, then whatever. Hooey, here I go. I'm going to land the plane. And basically, I'm asking uh, in reverse, this animated series is going to be adapted into live action. And Dave Filoni has been doing that with Mandalorian and have worked on Clone Wars. Yeah. I am interested because we talked about this. There's no way we haven't talked about this on air. We talked about this off air that we're nervous about what Netflix is going to do with the um, Avatar The Last Airbender series. I will say that Lock and Key is not a perfect show, and it focuses on the aspect of the books that I did. Uh, that I think most readers didn't even gravitate to um, yeah. the high school aspect. But that being said, I do not think Lock and Key is a bad show. I do not think that. I think a lot of the elements that are horror-based and the way that they adapted the series in their own way by creating new keys and showing the way that the magic is pretty scary. It's Mm -hmm. a pretty scary thing having these keys. I think they do a good job. So I think that working with uh, uh, DiMartino and Kanetsko, I'm believing the the last names of the uh, creators of Avatar The Last Airbender Airbender and Korra, um, I think there's a recipe for something good. Uh, I think with... uh, the current quarantine and restrictions on filming. I know there's some countries that are opening back up for filming because they have not had new cases for over like eight days, 16 days, something like that. Something like that. Like New Zealand's opening back up. And that kind of seems like a cool place to shoot um, a series like this. Yeah. Um, I think I actually have more faith now with, this live action series, but has your opinion changed when it comes to this live action adaptation? No, just because I, I don't need it. I, I would argue that, that um, the original series is basically perfect. So why, um, what, what I don't, I don't see what a live action series could provide me that I don't already have other than clunkier action. Cause there's, there's, there's no way that you can make the action as smooth because the beauty of animation is it's all in, in that one um, medium. Whereas if you try to recreate that action in live action, now you have to incorporate CGI and stuff like that. And it could be cool. There's no denying like Game of Thrones on TV did cool stuff. Mandalorian did cool stuff. I remember specifically the beginning of episode two where he has to take on the sand crawler. But there's no way it's as organic. There's no way it's as smooth. It just can't. It's just it just can't be, you know. 
Um, if you were telling a different story in that universe, I'd be on board. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'll give it a chance, but I would rather see new stories set in this world because I think the world that they create um, with the again for those that didn't watch it you know you've, you've got benders um, and you've got non-benders which I think is important not everybody can bend and benders are, are part of four different tribes that can bend the four classical elements of earth wind fire and water and and funk the, huh? yeah. and funk, and, funk. And, uh, and they set it up in a way that they ground each bending in an actual martial art which I thought really benefited the show. So it's not where in Harry Potter or something where it's just like, you need to train. And what does that involve? Like you just think harder. This is like, you actually, there's a, there's physical things you can do to, to show that makes it more visual and more visceral. Um, but speaking of the, the characters that I think is what a lot of people attracted to this show. We've got, we asked in discord, if you had any, if you guys had any questions for us, stuff we would like to, us to discuss and Brenda asked, who are your favorite side characters? Basically anyone who's on the main crew with Ang. Sam, do you have any, um, hey, right off the bat? The first one is always tough just because of how complicated she's she is. part of the main uh, crew. She doesn't count. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I wrote then. Okay. I, I, I would crew. argue he's part of the main crew, he's, but all right. He's fringe. He, okay. All right. I think. I think then it would go to all of Zuko's crew uh, and Azula's crew because yeah. when they have Ty Lee who shows you like the chi blocking, yes, that's really cool. Um, and she's also like a, a circus performer; she's like a gymnastic yeah. uh, gymnast. And having um, uh, what was it? The 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 the, the uh, explodey head man. Remember that oh, guy? Yeah, Remember that, that was guy? cool. I think that would be really cool. It personally, I think in live action, there is a way to make the bending look really cool and like really beautiful and really moving. But then when you have, excuse my language, a motherfucker like that walk up and he starts blowing up like full mountains with his head. And yeah. you're like, hmm, I'm afraid of what he's going to do to these children. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm scared right now. He is, he is the Terminator. Yeah. Uh, that was, and that was, it a cool was a one. good reveal when he popped up. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Firebending can be different things, and his whole gambit is frightening. Yeah, and I like that, too, that they they found a way to expand what benders can do without breaking any of their rules. There's not like a – they don't ever come up with a new – you know, like the they, there was kind of a plant bending, but what it was was you were bending the water inside of the plants. You know what I mean? It all was established within the rules that they'd set for themselves. For me – as far as side characters uh, outside of the main crew, I I always liked June, uh, who had I, that giant like mole creature and was like a bounty hunter, like it could smell yeah. anything for miles. I always thought she was really cool, and I don't like is probably the wrong word for this character, but I did find him very interesting, and his his fighting style was cool. Uh, do you remember the character Jet, who like the the bad boy character that Korra was into, and Eric he's got Korra, the hooks, Katara. the hook. He's got the hooked uh, swords. Yeah, yeah. He's cool as hell. Yeah, and he'd like loop the swords together and do stuff like that. It's like he that was a he, visually he was interesting and um he was a he was another that was another more kind of adult thing where technically he was on he was fighting the Fire Nation, so he was on the hero's side, but he was like he was ruthless and our main characters were not were not quite uh uh feeling that. And his um demise is yes. rough. He gets a very it's a very difficult moment yes uh and, and, and well played considering it's still a kid's show like they worked around that in a cool way yeah and because they, they're like we need to we need there has to be stakes this is like a totalitarian state that's trying to invade yeah. this other this other nation so it's not gonna be oh that whole storyline though the bossing say uh what is it there's there is no war within bossing say yeah. what is it yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. like lao guy yes like, there you want to go to like lao guy yeah yeah and uh the beautiful mesh of american anime animation styles where it's like they're paying an homage they're paying a tribute but at the same time they are making it their own i think there are fans of anime that you know like that have different takes on that and that's hey have whatever opinion you want i think it's a uh, a really fine line that they're able to walk in this yeah. show when it comes to the animation style and they're able to accomplish a lot of beautiful things and the emotional heartache of the the, just, just the initial premise of the show of what Aang has to go through, mm-hmm. and Zuko on on two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, uh, it's it's beautifully executed. Uh, also on our Discord, we've got a couple other questions. Oh, yeah. good. Now it's not loading. Here's yeah, one. one uh, I, I'll read this question, but real quick, talking about the Aang Zuko. Some of my favorite episodes are where they parallel 
their two journeys. I thought they were really smart about the way they did that. Um, Boiler Huff says, what is your, speaking of com- combustion bending with the, the exploding mind guy, uh, what's your favorite advanced bending ability? Lightning, metal bending, blood bending, et cetera. I think it's how terrifying blood bending is. Horrifying. Just horrifying. horrifying. Nathan the man agrees with you. Of, uh, yeah, it's just, just, oh, dear Lord in heaven. When that episode came out, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And no. it makes sense, too. It, it, if you say they can bend water, it's like, well, a majority of a person is water. <laughs> Yeah, and it's and it's. I get why it's difficult. Why it, like it took a lot of time for like people to learn how to do this, um, and to even think about doing it is pretty, pretty frightening. Yeah. Um, and it does help when you set like things in like in the past compared to our time because you're allowed to like make discoveries of of your discipline in in natural ways instead yeah. of like if it was modern day and someone makes a discovery about martial arts, you're like, I mean, over like thousands of years, no one's tried this. Yeah. You know, like so having it having it dated a little bit helps. Uh, make it more believable, but also I'll throw lava bending in there too because that was uh, metal bending is cool. All of them are cool, but lava bending when you sh- when you see it for the first time, you're like it, it felt like two bending disciplines coming together in a natural way that was just it's just like how do you even play with this? It's like lightning yeah. bending. It's like what do you do? And every time you used it as a fighting style, it was like watching water bending, but a little bit more frightening. Yeah, I agree. I think lava bending. Obviously, that wasn't an avatar. That was in um, Korra. But that lava bending is my favorite. Although I uh, shout out to when Toph discovered metal bending when she's like trapped in that cage and she's able to like feel the earth in it. I thought that was visualized in a really cool way. But lava bending is my favorite. I think. Yeah. Uh, what? And having uh, having metal bending being the thing that people couldn't bend, it's like wood. You know, yes. it's like it's nice to have con- constants, but when they're like, no, metal is refined earth, so you need to be more direct with how you you bend it. And I do like. I think they set up that Aang can't do it. No, even though he's the Avatar, he can't do it. Other people learn how to do it, but he can't. And uh, coolest mo- one of the coolest moments in Avatar is when she knocks a door down and then jumps on the door and makes it a suit of armor. Yeah, they did a uh, lot of cool stuff with Toph. Yeah, no, they made they they made everything very fluid, like the way that if a waterbender were to fight, you would yank water where you could and make them like melee weapons on your arms like that. That was always really cool. Um, I think this one applies to you, Sam, from Super Mac. Have you read the comics and do they compare? How do they compare to the show? Oh, they're awesome. Don't read the Korra one. That one was rough. Uh, I, maybe that's not fair. The first couple issues or the first like couple pages of the first issue, I was like, whoo-wee, this is not this is not great. But it, the um. It's Gene Lu and Yang who did uh, my favorite new Superman and uh, Superman smashes the clan. Yes. And, so uh, good. And Highly recommend. I believe he's running Shang-Chi too, which is very exciting. The comic um, Shang-Chi? The, the new one coming out. That's very cool. Uh, if I, I, I believe actually uh, I'll do a quick Google search uh, when after this, but um, the comic, I believe he writes uh, a majority of those um, and with, with like guidance from like the two showrunners. They're great immediately right off the bat it start it picks up right when they're at like the ceremony where like they kiss uh katara and, and kiss and they and they move on and they get to uh a complicated position where they're gonna basically l- push the fire nation out of the earth kingdom and out of the water tribes and be like we're we're gonna move on we're done with this we're tired yeah. of this like but one of the uh first towns that the fire nation conquered became a more of a haven for earthbenders and firebenders yeah. and so when they don't want to they don't want the fire nation to leave because that's their entire governing body and people are happy. Like they're like, yeah, we don't want to be like, we don't want to be under a dictatorship, but also that doesn't mean we want everyone from the fire nation leaving. Uh, And so if that be, I believe what they're setting up is that town is Republic city. And so like, and it turns into that because it's a, it's a place where benders can come from all over and be accepted as a, as a new entity. And, um, because it's it's difficult because like and it gets into pol- a political drama too and uh you see Toph trying to teach metal bending and the way she's able to figure out who a metal bender is is it's kind of mystical but it's at the same time it's grounded you remember she got that little piece of space stone that yeah was like a piece of metal that could uh that could uh move like a liquid that plays a really important part into the story as well and the freedom fighters that jet was friends with play a really yeah. big role into freeing them and kind of cool the Northern water tribe comes down to the Southern water tribe and starts to industrialize it really fast to help them recover. And like they build like actual towns for them and buildings and they, it it has them challenge their own culture about who they are as individual cultures, but also as a water tribe together. 
And uh, it's cool how they're able to uh, navigate that. And, and all the voices feel very true to the, to the uh, animated series. And seeing Zuko evolve and change. And I will say uh, the answer to what happened to his mom mm-hmm. is very cool. It I, does involve spirits, and it's very cool. I have to be candid. I think they should have done the story of him finding his mom at the beginning of season three instead of what they my the only part of the show that I don't love is the beginning of season three because it's after two where he kind of like he teams up with Azula and portrays Ang's team and portrays Iroh, and then he just kind of like sits around and pouts for like half the season. And it's just one of those like I, he should he should have been doing something. He should have been looking for his mom. He should have been doing. And especially when you say it's like something cool, it's like yeah, you should have you should have done that then. Uh, it's it's ve- I thought it was very fulfilling. And if you're, I think as a a younger person reading it, you, the the mysteries they set up, you'd kind of I, I don't think you'd catch on as yeah. an adult when you're reading it. You you kind of get it basically immediately um, that it, it who they're leading to this uh, mother who the mother being who the mother is yeah. and the spirits you meet. Like, do you remember, uh, uh, by the way, actually side note, this isn't in it, but, uh, do you remember the face stealer? We actually had somebody mention that in, um, the discord, um, Narangatan 411. If given the opportunity, would you want to visit the spirit realm? I asked because co the face stealer is terrifying. Yes. Co co very much left an impression. Co yeah, the face stealer. Um, that was frightening. And um, the way that they deal with, they introduce new spirits in that story. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's tragic and it's, um, it's great. And I, I don't disagree with you that like that beginning, I did like all those like opening episodes where he's in the fire nation. And he's like got everything that he wanted. Yeah. Um, but the way they deal with like Azula in the extended comics is really cool. Cool. Really, really cool. So, um, yeah, anyways, but enough about that. I highly recommend you read them. I think they're like all severely discounted right now. Oh, so, cool. uh, it's well within the price range to check them out. So last question, we have time for one more question. Um, Z, uh, Z-Roll 13, if there was a new series, what time period would you want it to be set in? And what kind of bender would you want the avatar to start as? I think there's something really interesting with starting with a firebender. Yeah. Uh, because we saw, I, Roku, I, I think right? we just, Roku was the last one. And I know that the next one in the round would be an earthbender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd pick firebender more because of the volatility of that ability. Yeah. It would be interesting having the main character be an earthbender because they're so hard headed. They're so like sure. They're meant to be really sure of themselves. Uh, but I think the idea of exploring a firebender in a more modern society would be really interesting. Yeah, uh, I, not. I don't think going going back is interesting because we saw like the first Avatar and that was cool. Yeah, but going forward and seeing how the world evolves uh, past a, a certain point, like even like a steampunky, uh, like uh, a Batman Beyond type storyline, would be interesting. That's that's where I'm at. I I think you know I don't think it. Because you kind of talked about like discovering new things in the modern time would be weird, and you don't want people like, "Well, I looked it up online." Uh, so I think you, because where Cora left off was kind of in it, what felt like a like a early twentieth century, nineteen tens, nineteen twenties type vibe. So I say skip over everything that we modern to like a cyberpunk. Fu- what would be the future? And I even think that the name title titles itself, like the original, you know, it's Avatar: The Last Airbender you say like, this is the last avatar that like people, because of technology, people don't really bend anymore, you know? And so like, this is the, this is the the last avatar and their, their story in this kind of like cyberpunk realm to just really shake up. Uh, I think it's either you do that or you go back to one of the myriad of a- avatars prior to yep. Aang. But I just don't think that cool. would give us the, I don't think that would give you, or I think something they could do because they touched on a bunch of different avatars briefly, do an anthology show. Mm-hmm. Where each episode is just a different avatar in a different time or something, just jump around that whole mythology you built out. Jump up, jump up, and get down. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a future cyberpunk world where people are augmenting their bodies with like tech to emulate bending. Yeah. So that you could have like, you could, shooting fire, shooting electricity is pretty easy, but seeing how technology could advance to the point where they don't need to do that anymore, kind of in the world of like onward, where like technology surpasses magic. Yeah. Because magic's harder bending was going to be harder than just getting in like an augmentation and seeing what the world looks like. Cause it's like, do you need the avatar 
for this? Like, yeah. do you, cause we're okay. Like we can even have people with different augmentations that can do different abilities. I don't know. The more I say it, the more it feels like a DeviantArt fan fiction. Uh, but, uh, you know, Hey, who knows when you get the right writers behind it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any, any, uh, story can shine, but gang, let us know if you're checking out this series over on Netflix. It air, it started, or popped back up on the 15th, I believe, of this month. So go watch it over and over and over again. I know Nickelodeon and Paramount signed a big deal with Netflix with um, new series from Nickelodeon cartoons as well as live action adaptations and movies and whatnot. So, uh, so far, I've really liked the movies that they've done uh, for like Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim. So seeing more adaptations in the future, I think, could, uh, I think would be a pretty cool overall. So, be pretty uh, cool. Pretty cool, but gang, get in the conversation over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers for as low as five bucks a month. We've lowered the rates for everything right now. So if you'd like to join the uh, community, now's the time, baby. Please uh, join us. Join, you can join us on our Discord as well, but you can follow us on Twitter at Sam Basher. You can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. Or follow the podcast at Only Stupid Answers. Yank out the vowels from stupid. Bing, bang, boom. But go ahead and check that out. Follow us and uh, like and subscribe over on your YouTube channel because uh, we have reviews coming out right over there for Harley Quinn, Stargirl, and other DC and CW original series. And we'd love for you to get into the conversation. But until next time, gang, stay safe. Uh, thank you to all of you uh, essential workers out there, and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.